And welcome on in to the Zach Gelb Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach on this Wednesday. Welcome. Appreciate you joining us right here. I know you got a lot of options, right? A lot of a lot of distractions in life. So we appreciate you choosing us to focus on here on CBS Sports Radio. Always grateful for your listenership. Again, Ryan Hickey in for Zach with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, it's over. If you're a New York Jets fan, if you're a New York Jets believer, that this is a big year, maybe a year that ends with a Super Bowl. It's over. The dream is dead. The honeymoon has officially come crashing down to a halt. If you are a Jets believer, it's officially time to panic. For all the good pub, and they got a lot of good pub this offseason with Aaron Rodgers being, you know, complimented and, and wowed everywhere he went, playoff games in New York City, working out with his teammates, sneezing on the field to get a standing ovation for. All of the good pub the Jets and Aaron Rodgers have gotten this season. Well, all that's going on, we are witnessing right in front of our face a major problem that is going to derail their season, bubble right to the surface. You know what that is? Offensive line play. They stink. The Jets' offensive line stinks. And you know what? If you can't block, you can't win. If you watched Hard Knocks yesterday, you heard Robert Sella say the same exact thing. This offense is going to go how the offensive line goes. And that is concerning. That is very, very concerning when you look at how bad they have played so far and the little talent right now they have in that unit. Doesn't matter who's who's at quarterback. Doesn't matter who's at running back or receiver or tight end. If you don't have time to throw, you won't be any good, and that's exactly right now what Aaron Rodgers does not have. Time to throw. If you watched Hard Knocks uh, last night, you saw it. With your own eyes. If you didn't, I'll tell you and fill you in. Jets had joint practices last week with the Carolina Panthers down in South Carolina. And in the team periods, right, when you're having first-team offense going against first-team defense, that defensive line for Carolina ate up the Jets' O-line. Aaron Rodgers is getting sacked left and right. He's getting very frustrated at the offensive line, at the coaching staff, at the, at the situation overall. They were not looking good whatsoever when you had 1v1. Ones versus ones. Starters take on the starters. And now, to add injured insult, or even maybe now back up what we saw on Hard Knocks last week, you go to today's practice, where the Jets were having a joint practice with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you see what came out of that practice? It's time to panic, folks. It is absolutely time to panic if you are a Jets believer. According to Rich Samini, covers the Jets for ESPN, in 11 on 11, aka full team drills, the Bucks got six sacks on 10 dropbacks by Aaron Rodgers. 10 times with Aaron Rodgers running the offense, the Jets tried to pass the ball. Six times he was sacked. And Connor Hughes of SNY does chime in that anytime basically Rodgers was able to get the ball out, 
and wasn't sacked. Quick passes, checkdowns. Even when the offense line was good enough, quote-unquote, to allow Rodgers to throw, we're talking about dump-offs to the running back out of the backfield, five-yard slants. That is not how this offense is supposed to operate, and that is not how an offense that has Super Bowl expectations is going to get it done. There's major concern here. You absolutely, if you're a Jets fan, should be concerned. If you're an NFL fan that thinks the Jets will do well, absolutely should be concerned. But I could tell you, hey, panic. It's over. You're screwed. How about that we get the opinion of maybe the guy whose opinion matters the most here, and that's Aaron Rodgers. He spoke after practice today. Is it time to panic? How are you doing, Aaron, with right now your offensive line right in front of you? Not playing too well. There's jobs up for grabs. So that's the beauty in camp, but also the struggle is um, in talking with, uh, you know, a couple of guys. We just need some continuity, I think, uh, at some point so guys can feel comfortable playing together. Maybe that's the end of next week. Maybe it's the, the week that we have in between the season uh, and the last preseason game. But uh, jobs are up for grabs. Not exactly, con- you know, not exactly exuding confidence. When you're talking about jobs, multiple jobs, up for grabs on a five-man offensive line when we are less than a month away from starting the regular season. That is concerning. And Aaron Rodgers won't say it there, so I'll say it for him. I'll translate what Aaron Rodgers was trying to say, but maybe didn't want to say it. It's time to panic. We are screwed. It is go time right now. Because Aaron knows... What is in front of him? Aaron knows what happens less than a month from now. The Jets have to not only have their offensive line situation sorted out, they need their old line to be playing at a very high level, at midseason form. You look at the start of the Jets season. These are their first six games. Bills, Monday Night Football at home. At the Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, at the Broncos, Eagles. In a loaded AFC, in an extremely tough AFC East, if you come out of the gates slow, if that offensive line is not gelling and not playing well, not protecting, those six games, we could be starting about, uh, we could be talking about a two and four, a one and five start for the New York Jets, and your season is dead. If you are 2-4 and or 1-5 and five in the AFC East and in the AFC Conference, your season is over. Forget about Super Bowl. You're not making the playoffs. And that's why there has to be a sense of urgency. And that's why, for me, even though it's August 16th, I am concerned. Because the Jets do not have the benefit of time. The Jets cannot ease their way into the regular season. The Jets are not going to start off with, you know, a little warm-up game against Little Sisters of the Poor before gradually increasing their level of competition to where they can kind of work their way into getting super sharp and being at their best. You start right away, Buffalo Bills, on a national spotlight at home. Let's go. That O-line stinks. Against a very good Bills uh, front four, you're in trouble. Cowboys, really solid defensive line. Patriots, Franchise record for sacks last year. Chiefs, 
Chris Jones, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Broncos, tremendous D-line. Eagles, tremendous defense. These are tests. These are some of the hardest tests you're going to face right away. And for the Jets, with their offensive line struggling, with guys still out and being injured, that's a major concern right now that time is ticking. Time is not on New York's side. Multiple jobs up for grabs. No one is impressing. Your best uh, offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker, right now is still not practicing, which is, uh, is concerning considering that they're still trying to think about putting him, maybe moving from guard to tackle. So you need him to, again, have time to acclimate, even though he played a little bit there last year. Still time to acclimate to a new position. And then all of a sudden, by the way, oh, yeah, here you go. Throw you right to the fire with these first six games. The Jets are in huge trouble. And it's me why I'm not picking them to go to the playoffs to begin with. I was out on the Jets. I was not sold that Aaron Rodgers is going to come in here and in year one click with this new team and hit the ground running right away. But now you see these offensive line woes. You see how frustrated already he is getting training camp where you see it in hard knocks. The little that we see, but I know hard knocks look. It's not what it was. It's not really this journalistic piece that we're watching. It's actually going to give you a deep dive of what's going on with the team. It's an infomercial. But the little they did show last night of the joint practice against the Panthers, you saw not only the offensive line getting their butt whipped, you saw Robert Sala getting frustrated, and you saw Aaron Rodgers chucking the ball out of bounds, being very frustrated already. Now, you are starting to see as the Jets start to face opponents that are not their own, right? not going against themselves, how bad this O-line is and how much work needs to be done. And when you have that schedule to start, those six games, your season can be over, uh, can be over before it even starts. And so I don't think it's too early to panic if you're a Jets fan or a Jets believer. I think now is actually the time to panic because time is ticking. Even though it's August, even though it's practice, they truly do not have a lot of time left to figure this out. And if Aaron Rodgers is getting hit, he's not going to be a very good quarterback. He's not going to be good whatsoever. So it's on the Jets. It's on them right now to figure out how we can get the best five guys to protect. Whether it's going out, making a big-time trade, whether it's Praying for a miracle? Their season is going to come down to their offensive line play. And that is a major concern because their offensive line is looking like one of the worst in the NFL. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. If you are not worried about the Jets, if you are not hitting the panic button yet, not too worried, tell me why. 855-212-4227. I want to hear your explanation. At Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three. Nick, you're a Jets fan. Yes, sir. Where's your level of panic? It's not that high, but it's getting there. Getting there. Rising. So you do see kind of what is on the horizon here for the Jets if this does not get solved ASAP. Yeah, I feel like Rodgers is like going to let it be known that you guys better fix this O-line. Like, I didn't come here for nothing. I came here to win a championship. And you, uh, he's going to tell Joe Douglas 
do what you have to do to fix this O-line before the season starts. But at this point, what is that like? I guess like I don't see the options for the Jets. Again, outside of getting some guys healthy and, again, then trying to build continuity almost immediately, where's the other option? Like, if Roger says that, what is Joe Douglas expected to do? Say it again? Like I'm saying, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets gym and says, hey, fix this, what is Joe Douglas expected to do? Make a trade, do whatever he has to do to... Like, who's he trading for? I don't it's know. Or he has to do something because Rodgers isn't going to, like, accept this. Or the or, or the old line that they have now is going to have to step up. And that's, that's concerning because I think, in a way, you're kind of saying that there's no option. There's no option. Outside of these guys marketably getting better immediately... I don't know where the other option is for the Jets to improve. And that's concerning because if you can't block for Rodgers, this offense is going is going nowhere. Yeah, and to, for this to be their problem when, like, everything else seems to be aligned for them is, like, really disappointing because, like, it seemed like this year that they were, you know, destined to be uh, win a championship. So I'm still not giving up hope, but they definitely have to, you know, get their own. O-line together. And if you're a Jets fan, like, that's where you look at Joe Douglas. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, look, the, the skill positions get a lot of the, the sexiness and the headlines, right? Dalvin Cook now is a big name coming over from the Jets. You brought in Al Lazard. You brought in Randall Cobb, Aaron's best friend. But it's like they drafted, what, Joe Tittman in, was it a third round, whatever it is. You drafted a lineman that's now competing for a center spot. But you did nothing in free agency and making a trade to actually bring some bare minimum competition to this team, what are you doing? How is that possible? Silent. You got nothing, huh? I mean, jeez. I don't know. I mean, it hits hard. Yeah. Like, this is really on Joe Douglas. There. Yep. If you can't get this figured out, what are you sitting on your hands for? Or why are you ignoring? Again, we all talk about quarterback being the most posi- uh, important position. But if you can't block for the quarterback, then the offensive line is a unit. Easily, that is the most important position. You ignored it. Yeah, they literally went out and got, like, every other position that they would need. And they just got Dalvin Cook. You don't even need Dalvin Cook. It should have focused on the offensive line. I agree. I agree. So, Nick is – what? when will you actually be fully concerned? Like, you said you're getting there. What is your – do you have, like, a, a drop dead point? Like, if, hey, week five, this offensive line sinks, I'm calling it. Is it week 10? Is it week one? Like, do you have a point where you are willing to say, if it's not fixed by this point in the season, I'm officially worried and this season's doomed? I give it like five games until the season because uh, they do have a very tough schedule, you know, starting the season off, which I still expect them to win at least two of the first three games. Because. So, Bills at Cowboys, Pats, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. Yeah, I think. What's their record after six games? After six games. I think their record has to be four and two. Anything oh, less, I would agree it has to be. What do you think it's to going to be? I'm uh, saying two and four. Bills at Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs at Broncos, Eagles. I would say three and three if I had to be realistic. That's optimistic. That's a win if you're three and three. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to No, happen. I mean, it's a win if you're uh, five and one or four and two, but that's also With a little With this offensive line, three and three is a win. I don't know. Maybe they'll get a lot better between now and, uh, you know, maybe Rodgers will, uh, you and know. And you know what? Tell maybe Santa Claus will come tonight, give me a billion dollars, <laughs> and I'll just go buy myself a, a nice little beach resort island, and you'll never hear me again, which I know you'll be thrilled with. 
Sorry. Yeah, I think the chances of <laughs> uh, yeah, I really would be thrilled <laughs> by that. And I think the chances of the Jets O line are definitely better than that happening. Not by much. Not by much. All right, so eight five five two one two four two two seven. If you are not concerned about the New York Jets right now and their offensive line, tell me why at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we return, speaking of concern, the Baltimore Ravens are doing something in offense I hate. I'll tell you why. Or should I'll tell you what it is. When we do return, it's Ryan Hickey in for Zach right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Zach Gelb Show. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio. A shout out to you, Wisconsin. Jump around. If you're a college football fan on TV, it's one of the coolest traditions to watch. But I was there in 2021, Penn State, Wisconsin, Labor Day weekend. Me and two of my friends went to be there in person. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life. Madison is a tremendous town. So shout out to you. Been a great college town. Very nice people there, especially coming from the Northeast. I'm not used to people being so friendly. Uh, And the folks at Madison were very, in Madison, I should say, were very friendly. So if you're a college football fan, a football fan overall, want to experience new places, you know, see new traditions, Wisconsin, without a doubt, has to be on your bucket list. Could not um, talk about, talk highly about that place enough. Okay, let's talk a little uh, Baltimore Ravens offense here. I don't agree with what the Ravens are doing this season on offense. What they're doing is this. They are taking Lamar Jackson, who was super successful in one style of offense, being a dual-threat quarterback, and now they're asking him to run a totally different system than he's run at the NFL level or even the college level. They are making Lamar Jackson a dynamic dual-threat quarterback into now primarily a pocket passer. I don't get it. I don't think it's going to work. That's not the best way to get the most out of Lamar Jackson. That's not the best way to get the most out of this Ravens offense. And it's why I don't think the Ravens are making the playoffs this year. It makes no sense to me. You've seen Lamar Jackson win an MVP. You've seen him reach high, the highest of highs you can at the quarterback position. Running the dual threat offense. You want to tell me that Greg Roman got, you know, his act got tired. His offense was too easy to figure out. He wasn't listening to Lamar with the way you hear Lamar talk about how much he loves the fact that uh, Todd Munkin's kind of listening and inputting plays that he's suggesting. You want to say that, that, that the relationship ran its course? No problem. Fine. Hire someone else. That's, that's, I'm not saying that they made a mistake in firing Greg Roman. What I'm saying is they're making a mistake in changing the total offensive identity from what worked to now going to something where I have no idea if it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. And why you're doing it timing-wise makes no sense. You're doing it after you paid Lamar Jackson. You gave Lamar Jackson one of the richest contracts in NFL history in part for what he did in his past and what you think he will do. You have no idea how Lamar Jackson is going to be as a pocket passer. You have no idea. And now you, after you pay him and make him one of the highest or I should say richest quarterbacks in NFL history, now expect him to continue his success and elevate it running an offensive system he's never run before. How does that make sense? Someone that's, if you think it makes sense, clearly smarter than me, let me know why. 855-212-4227. I don't see how this is going to work. 
Lamar Jackson for his career. Passing yards in a season. The highest he's ever thrown for is 3,127. To put that into context, if you, go last, if you look at last year, 3,127 yards by M. Lamar Jackson in his MVP season was nine more yards than what Davis Mills passed for last year. That's it. Lamar's career high in passing was basically even with Davis Mills passing the football. How can you expect now to get the most out of Lamar in this offense when that you're asking him to do something he's never done before? And also, by the way, you're asking him to do something he's never done before with a receiving core that's anywhere but elite, anywhere but good, anywhere but proven. Anything but proven, I should say, and anything but elite. Like, you have Odell Beckham Jr., who has not been healthy and or productive for an entire season since 2019. It's a long time. That's a long time for a receiver. Zay Flowers, rave reviews coming out of Boston College, is a rookie. You're going to really rely on a rookie to be your big-time wide receiver in this pass-happy offense? Rashad Bateman was supposed to be that guy two years ago. Guy can't stay on the field. Nelson Aguilar. Need I say more? You look around, outside of Mark Andrews, there is nothing, nothing in this Ravens receiving room that has you feeling good that if Lamar is going to air it out 35, 40 times a game, this Ravens offense is going to put up points. I don't say they're going to do it. Especially in a loaded division and a loaded conference. So I have no idea why the Ravens are doing this. I have no idea why the Ravens are choosing now after they pay Lamar Jackson to totally change their offense and take Lamar Jackson, who is a, uh, who is a dynamic quarterback, who's at his best when it's a run-first offense. The defense is trying to stop the run, and then he's able to throw it over their heads. He's a good passer, but he's been at his best. And the reason why he had you know the, the, his career high in passing yards came during his MVP season is when you're running the ball at an elite level, Opens up the passing lanes. Made Lamar a better passer. Now you're going to say, hey, you pass first, then run. That, to me, is not the best way to get the most out of Lamar or ensure the most success. I think the Ravens are making a big mistake here. I don't like the direction of their offense. And I don't think this is going to work out. I think they're missing the playoffs. I think this style of offense is the biggest reason why. If you're a Ravens believer, if you think I'm an idiot, I want to hear I want to hear your argument as to why 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hanky and the number three. We also, before, we're talking about the Packers and Jordan Love. Earlier in the show, I gave expectations for each of the 10 teams that's going to have a new quarterback under center here in 2023. And for the Packers, I said 7 and 10, but I'm treating Jordan Love as a rookie. I think there's going to be some ups, give me some downs, but for the Packers, as long as they feel like Jordan Love is their starter going forward, that's a win. Win total is less relevant and less important than feel like you got the guy at quarterback in Jordan Love. And my expectation and prediction is you're not going to feel that. Jordan Love may be the starter in 2024 for the Packers. I don't think that we're going to see enough in 2023 to guarantee that, to ensure as soon as week 18 ends, hey, Jordan Love's our unquestioned starter next season. Chad and Green, uh, Green Bay, some thoughts on that. What's up, Chad? I do, Hickey. How are you doing? 
You know, Chad, we're hanging, man. We're hanging. Hopefully you are uh, doing well. So here's my thing. This is a hot take, man. I'm sorry, but where is the evidence that he's going to be good or bad? See, that's the thing. Uh, and uh, everybody is saying in the national media is going to be bad, and they keep comparing him to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. It's like, well, he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. But there's no reason why he can't be good. So I don't get this argument, man. I don't get it. Well, all right, let me, well, Chad, I'll tell you. Well, I'm not right. This is what I'll say, Chad. I think, again, I think for me personally, not to be biased here, I think my o- approach is right in the sense that he's a rookie. I know he's been in the league for a few years, but you got to treat him like a rookie where there's good and bad. He was a project coming out of Utah he's State. He's been in the program for four years now. He's not a rookie. But he's not played. But he's not played, though, Chad. That's the problem. He was a guy who was a developmental guy coming out of Utah State. He was a guy that was maybe a reach first round pick anyway. I have no idea well, what he can well, be. Well, that a reach, though. Somebody else, maybe your team would have, Colts probably would have drafted him. There are a lot of reports Possibly. after that, Chad, come out and say the Colts were not interested in Jordan Love. I know you're saying there's no? a lot of draft day rumors as well, but I would have been surprised if the Colts got him, at least definitely trade up for him for sure. But with Jordan Love, I'm not, part of the reason why I think that you'll see some good and some bad, it's almost kind of a middle of the road answer is, I don't know what Jordan Love is. I got no idea. And so that's part of the reason why I think after 2023, we're not going to, if you're the Packers, I don't think you're going to know without a doubt he is our guy here going forward in 2024. Maybe not, but did, didn't you earlier compare him to Sam Howell? I mean, come on. And Anthony Richardson. I mean, in the sense that some good, some bad, but I don't think you'll get a, def, you know, a definite answer after the season. Like, why, why is he much better then? What, what have you seen riding the bench and holding the clipboard that makes you think you're gonna have a, he's going to have a better year than uh, you know, some other quarterbacks here, some other younger, inexperienced quarterbacks? Because he's been in the program for four years. Like, why would C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson be better than he is coming in their rookie years? I mean, he's seasoned. He's been here. He's been coached. But he sees, but also, like, how much can you learn, Chad? Like, this goes back to our conversation yesterday. I don't think, at this point, sitting quarterbacks is a benefit. Like, I think the only way you learn for the most part is by playing and by doing. I get why Jordan Love sat behind Aaron Rodgers. But, like, how much is he actually learning without actually being in the game atmosphere, without, you know, taking, for lack of a better term here, you know, taking the live bullets, how do you know he's actually learning and he's actually seasoned? You don't. That is a good point. That is a great point. Like you but saw, Chad, I'm sure you like watched the, Conner, his preseason what he game, said, right? That saying that, like, they didn't know what he could do. He didn't do anything against the Bengals in his first preseason game. The Packers don't want to show what he can do in the preseason because they know what he can do. Chad, you watched that game, right? The Bengals preseason game last week? I did. I did. I think that that's the perfect encapsulation. You saw, yes, a nice touchdown pass uh, on second drive to Romeo Dobbs. You also saw yep. in the first drive, he had, I think it was one, maybe two inaccurate throws for guys that were open. He's a wild he card. He's an un, you know, unfinished product. I think the way you kind of get polished and refine your skills and appreciate the call, Chad, is by playing. Which is why, for me, if I'm the Packers, I'm not saying playoffs. I don't think Jordan Love's going to be a bust and suck right away. I think the reality is... He's going to play in 2023. He's going to have some ups. He's going to have some downs. But I don't think you're going to feel definitively that he is your starter in 2024. I think the Packers will look around. You may not find an upgrade. You may not have an upgrade available to you. Maybe you bring in a veteran to push Jordan Love, and maybe Jordan Love beats that veteran out. But I don't think you're going to 2024 telling yourself after 2023, oh, without a doubt, Jordan Love is our guy. We got, you know, Favre, Rodgers, Love. Not after this season. That's for sure. All right. Dexter Henry is in the house. Got that right. Extra emphasis because yesterday, if you missed it, I called Dexter Henry Kevin Dexter. We have two update anchors here. 
you are Dexter Henry, obviously. I am. Kevin Dexter was here on Monday night, and I just totally had a brain fart looking at you, called you the wrong name, Kevin Dexter. <laughs> and I want to go back to that because I was thinking about this yesterday. I was yeah. thinking about it after the show. I was very pissed at myself. And one thing I noticed that me and you are very similar, and that's this. I said, all right, here the update is Kevin Dexter. One second, I'm sitting there, I'm like, something doesn't sound right, but I'm like, I don't know what, what I did. Then EJ gets in my ear, Dexter Henry. Then I'm like, oh, wow, I called him the wrong name. You were, though, ready to go. Yeah. You didn't say a word. You were yeah. ready to give the update, and you were just ready to push through whether you called the right name or not. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you out there. And I wasn't mad. I'm not, I'm not going to be mad about it. Like, it was a mistake. It happens. This I is where said, me and you are very similar. Yeah. My first job was a golf caddy. Okay. And so one time, it was actually like a family friend, like my cousin's grandpa on the other side. Okay. I was caddying for him and some of his friends. And like we've met before. We've definitely met like a hand, not often, maybe once or twice a year. I see him. So I introduced myself. Hey, Ryan, you know, I'm with you. It's going to be a fun time this weekend or for, the, for this round, I should say. And like the second hole, he like comes over and asks a question. He goes, hey, Vinny, where's my ball? I'm like, Vinny, okay. I'm, I don't even turn around. I'm just like, all right. I was talking to one of his friends. And I'm terrible at names, and I think I definitely forgot a name or two, so it's probably one of his friends. He goes, hey, Vinny, Vinny, is that ball over there mine? And I'm like, oh, he's talking to me. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's you. That's you uh, for sure, absolutely. Rest of the round, Vinny. Didn't correct him. I was just, you know what, I'll just go with it and roll with it. And then I had him again a few weeks ago. Same thing. He remembered Vinny. Didn't remember Ryan the first time, but remembered Vinny. And so for two or three rounds of golf, I was known as Vinny, and I just – and he just didn't have the it. heart to, to correct him. Somebody did that to me the other day. They called me. It was a friend of the family. They were telling me about something uh, morbid. They're, you know, they're, they're, somebody passed away in the family. Uh, oh, friend I'm sorry. Of, and so it was fine. But they've seen me a couple times. They've known me. But the person kept calling me Derek on the phone. And I, because of the circumstance of the conversation, I just didn't have the, I was like, man, it doesn't matter. It's funny because I have a nephew named Derek. But it, I just didn't care to do that. I just was like, okay. It's yeah, I think it makes it more awkward when you're just like, especially if you let, if you don't say it initially. Yeah, then you let it go. Once you let it go once, it's, yeah. It's, right. You can't bring yeah. it up like three or four wrong names like, yeah, later. We're, we're, into, we're into deep with this. Like, we can we can let this go. I can't on whole 13, <laughs> like, hey, by the way, it's not Vinny, it's Ryan. Then yeah. it ma- makes me look bad, if I'm anything. Not, I, I think for you, I just want to say with that, mix, your mix-up was not crazy because there was a name commonality there. Vinny and Ryan are kind of way off, though. I have no idea. Like, I, right? I don't. Doesn't sound. Maybe just because I can see how you look soon. like a Vinny. A Vinny, though. right? I can I, see that, and that's kind of that does being a little stereotypical there. <laughs> but I can see how you might look like a Vinny. I can see that. I am Italian. <laughs> definitely do right. look half Italian, bare minimum. So you're right. But it's like I. That's why. Like, and then also, I'm trying to figure out like where do you get Vinny from? Is it a guess? Like yeah. Ryan does not sound like Vinny. Maybe he not. asked someone else. I'm like, oh, I don't know, Vinny. He just looked at me and was like, you look like a Vinny. I'm going to call you Vinny. And you know what? Maybe I'm the fool. And he said, this guy's going to accept it. Okay, there we go. And see how far I can push you. We are the same like that. I'm not somebody to get that annoyed. And I'll kind of let it roll. It, it's not that serious. Not that serious. That's 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 get the right. name. I get Brian a lot. Ryan. I get the Derek thing happens a ton. It happens to me all the time. It happens, it happens actually a lot. People, especially it. when people first meet, meet me, and they'll be like, Dexter, and then they'll eventually say Derek a couple times. I usually roll with it, and I'll, maybe I'll correct them at one point. Or I, sometimes I like to just let it happen that people realize, I've been calling you Derek all this time, and they catch it on their own. Well, I was going to say, eventually, sometimes you hope maybe, or another friend says something, and you right. just, just roll with it. You just roll with it. See, you know what? Penn State guy, pick guy. Look at that. Still be cut the same. 
Joel, man. The war is over. The war's Put down over. the swords. We have made peace we have. over bonding, over being called the wrong name. Look at that. We, we've made peace. And also, I already told Hickey for the listeners that we need Penn State to uh, destroy West Virginia. That's, that's all, right. That's all that matters in week one of college football. The enemy of yeah. your enemy is your it's friend. your friend. That's right. Excellently put. That's right. So look at that. Bonding over that and rooting both for Penn State, even as a Pitt fan, for one weekend. Few weeks, too, Dex. Few weeks coming up here, buddy. I know you're pumped. I know you oh, are. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. But all right. So we have the closing bell. We do return on the Zach Gelb Show here with Ryan and filling in. You're listening to the Zach Gelb Show. Only one way we finish the Zach Gelb Show out here in style, whether it's with him or with me, and that's with the closing bell. Another day is in the books, and we're taking stock of the sports world. It's time to find out who's up and who's down. Let's end the day right and hit the closing bell. Only on the Zach Gelb Show. All right, negatives first. Final in Atlanta. Braves 2 Yankees, nothing. Well, we just stop right there. You're right. Sweep the series. Now the Yankees fall under 500 on the season. They have not finished a season under 500 in 31 years. 1992. That's where they are trending right now in that direction. Latest they've been under 500 in a season since September of 1995. This has been bad. This only strengthens my argument we gave about two hours ago on the show, three hours ago on the show. Trade Aaron Judge. Trade Garrett Cole. Yankees need reinforcements. That's the only you'll get them. But Yankees, though, stink right now. Stock down to them. Speaking of stinking, stock down to the Jets' offensive line. P.U. They have been bad. We saw it on Hard Knocks last week where they struggled um, against the Panthers' defensive line in joint practices and then today you have reports from Rich Samini of ESPN on 10 dropbacks by Aaron Rodgers during 11 on 11 drills he was sacked six times and according to Connor Hughes of SNY anytime Rodgers was able to throw the ball it screens and quick passes we talk a lot about Rodgers we talk a lot about Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson and Dalvin Cook all the sexy skilled players that the Jets have. But the big uglies up front don't block for them. All those other pieces are relevant. And right now, it is looking bad. Bad in Jets land right now. A stock down to their putrid offensive line. A stock down to Marlon Humphrey. Unfortunately, he came out. He did suffer a foot injury during practice yesterday. Getting surgery today. Expected to be out a month or so, so that should put him on the shelf for maybe the first game, maybe two of the Ravens season. So sad news. I mean, again, thankfully for him and the Ravens, it's not season ending or miss half the year. A game or two you'll live with. But either way, Bengals, Ravens, week two, going to be a juicy one. Going to be a big one. Not going to be there for that matchup. Stock down to Marlon Humphrey. And a stock down to Jonathan Taylor. Really not him specifically, because this time it sounds like he has a, a personal reason. But for the second time in a week, he has been excused from Colts camp. He's not there. He was away from the team last week, apparently rehabbing. This week now, or he was back, I should say, at the Colts facility 
earlier this week, and now he has been excused by the team uh, today for some sort of personal reason. We don't know what exactly, so hope everything's okay, you know, family side and everything else-wise, but this situation stinks. He's on pop with an ankle injury. He's saying he's not going to play until he's 100% healthy, whatever that means. He still wants to trade. The reality is the Colts are not trading Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is going to be on the Colts this year no matter what. That's a lock. That's a guarantee. The only question is when. I'm still going to say week one. I don't exactly feel totally confident about that. But I will say at the end of the day, you want me to make a prediction. I'll say he will be there for week number one. A little bit more money. I think the Colts will give him a little bit you know, higher of a boost because I think that's he deserves it. But also, too, it's good for them. Like, it's good for business. The Giants did with Saquon Barkley, where he was frustrated with the franchise tag. They were not going to offer him any sort of long-term deal. They're not going to trade him. Barkley expressed his frustration publicly. But at the end of the day, the Giants, right before training camp started, gave him a million dollars extra in incentives. And by all reports, incentives he's not going to reach. On the other, uh, nonetheless, still gave him you know, a chance to earn extra money. Saquon Barkley shows up, and now he's all happy. If you're the Colts, you got $20 million in cap space. Give Jonathan Taylor, who's making $4 million this year, $2, 3000000 million. Put it on top. Give him to him right now up front. Let him be a little bit happy going to this season. And then kind of punt on, on the disdain and the frustration and the anger until after the season when you got to figure out if you're going to extend him or give him a franchise tag. But either way, he's away from the team now for the second time in a week. It's an ugly situation. And it doesn't seem to be getting better anytime soon. A stock down to really Jonathan Taylor and this... The Colts as well. How about Shohei Otani? Does it again? His 42nd home run of the season hit earlier tonight. It was one of those where I don't know how it went out. It was a pitch almost at, you know, at the letters. And look, I swear, when you watch it uh, on replay, I thought it was a pop-up in the infield. He hit it a mile high, dead center, about 430 out of the park. He's unbelievable. And it begs the question, is a billion dollars too much for Shohei Otani? Nick, if you were a GM and Shohei came to you and said, I want a billion dollars for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years, would you do it? Billion, no. A billion, you would not do it. Maybe 800, 750. But at that point, like, I know $200 million is a lot of money. Billion's if you're gonna, insane. If you're I don't, do I don't think he's getting a billion. You're a billion's a billion. like ridiculous. So, well, the, in the league with no salary cap and your owner signs off, well, I would absolutely do it. I mean, absolutely. I, I, if I was an owner, and I don't think he's a, as great of a pitcher as everyone makes him wow. out to be. He's really and in the show with a hot take. He, yeah, he's a really good hitter, but he's like an average pitcher. Average pitcher. Look at his ERA. Look at his strikeouts. ERA. ERA is what three and change. He's not, like, going for a Cy Young award. No, I don't think anyone's calling him Cy Young or Garrett Cole, but the fact that he's hitting 42 home runs and then can be your second or third starter, I would take that. I would give him a billion dollars, 40-second home run of the year, earlier tonight, show you tiny, give the man a stock up. And that'll do it for this edition of the Zach Gelb Show with Ryan Hickey filling in. Don't go anywhere. David Shepard in for JR Sport Brief next right here on many of these same CBS Sports radio affiliates. Appreciate Nick Theodore for doing a tremendous job producing tonight's show. And I appreciate you 
for choosing us and making us a part of your Wednesday evening right here on CBS Sports Radio. I will be back Saturday morning, 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's been Ryan Nicky. Have a great, great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you Saturday or else with CBS Sports Radio. 